You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast, everybody. I am back, and or I didn't actually go away, I just didn't talk to anyone last couple weeks, uh, and I am here now with all three of us. Paul, Anna, how are you guys doing? Lovely, mate. Doing fantastic, Rick. How are you? I'm doing all right. I am not used to talking on the show anymore after two weeks of being spoiled without having to do any work. Yeah, you've been kind of creepily or voyeuristically just listening from the closet. And I'm <laughs> glad, glad to pull you back out uh, for, for something I'm very excited to talk about. I've been trying to, uh, I think I've been trying to peer press you into talking about this for some time, which would be the 96 greatest adventure game of all time. <laughs> To the listeners, um, I should make it clear too that Anna and I both played this game, uh, as, you know, youngins or whatever. Um, so we, we both have a degree of nostalgia for, for Gold Rush, where Rick does not. He, he literally was finally just forced into playing it through, through relentless peer pressure just a few days ago, basically. <laughs> um, so just when you, for you listening, you can understand that there's a, a almost a potentially interesting, um, perspective on this game one from that of somebody who does enjoy you know agi games parser games but didn't grow up with it has no rose tan view on the game um and then anna and i'll be representing the more nostalgia viewed aspect of it which doesn't make the game necessarily any easier for any of us to play i mean other than the bits we've memorized yeah yeah no i i can't i I don't i do not retain puzzle memory whatsoever on how to solve things yeah well why don't we start off with a little bit of context like uh give us an idea of what it was like playing it when you first played what's the experience of playing it for the first time at the times that you did like yeah yeah, first of all how old how, how old were you guys when you first played this i was 12 how old were you paul um i was probably nine ish Oh, wow, that's young to hit this game up. And here I am thinking I had a hard time with it at 12. How, how did you do with it when you were nine? Oh, not well. Yeah, not well at all. <laughs> I, um, I, I <laughs> and don't forget that Paul's a bit younger than we are, too. So, like, uh, his nine is our, like, um, uh, oh, geez, how old would we have been? We'd probably been in, like, 20. We'd probably be, I, I was probably already Close. graduated by then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel so delightfully young at the moment, despite my balding head and gray hairs. This is nice. <laughs> I didn't say you aged well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, I'll say that that I did. I, I'm not sure if it's even fair to say like I play played the game. I just. I was at that age where it was so much fun to, and Rick and I have discussed this in the past regarding Police Quest, where it had, games like this had like this open world sort of feel when you're younger, um, mm-hmm. and before, you know, modern games, actual open worlds existed, where I think I just walked around Gold Rush for, for probably months. Um, mm-hmm. and we had it on the, on the Macintosh. So I played it in black and white for like a year or two. Um, and then it was the first game that I played in color. Um, Police Quest 1, Space Quest 2, and Gold Rush, all those are lumped together when I say the first one. So if anybody, you know, heard other episodes where I claim one of those two was the first, you're also right, because I'm not sure. <laughs> Point is, I eventually, I basically shifted from black and white, um, monotone to two color with Gold Rush. And I remember firing up, I think it was like Apple 2GS or whatever, firing it up and, and seeing it in color for the first time and having me bloody mm-hmm. mind blown. So, um, but I was probably maybe 12-ish when, it, when I actually was playing it, playing it for real. 
Yeah, I would say that that's a good age for it because I guess I did what you did. I spent the first few months wandering around going, wow, this city's cool. I never really got off the ground. It was in amber monochrome. So my color scheme was slightly different, as many of you probably already know about me. That is uh, the type of monitor I had growing up. So most of my games were amber monochrome. Yeah, and it it was just a fun game to walk around with. I was honestly really, really excited that I was going to have a game that had three, count them, three expeditions. Mm-hmm. That's that was a big yes. deal back then too. It was. It was huge. <laughs> yeah, like people might not understand. Like these days, people feel ripped off if like any game doesn't have like a thousand multiple endings, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the the whole Mass Effect fiasco, which I kind of understand to some degree, given the genre and like sort of like the build up. But people, oh yeah, everybody wants every conversation get... tree to have a an ending that makes the whole game different. Yeah, just because they chose that one conversational like. Topic. But like, yeah, people get pissed off if there aren't multiple endings. But like, you know, back mm-hmm. in the day, you'd be, you know, it, the concept of multiple endings was already, <laughs> you know, uh, pretty, pretty bizarre as of like the uh, early nineties. But because everything, even you know, regardless, your path will end up in the same spot. Like, uh, um, yeah, you were trying Indiana to Jones and the Fate of the Atlantis. Game. Yeah, like Indiana mm-hmm. Jones and the Fate of Atlantis will, you know, you take these three paths, but you end up at the same ending and a couple of multiple endings. So that's probably not the best example. But, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, when you have like three kind of basically different games, it's this is almost kind of like that Fate of Atlantis syndrome where it's like, okay, which game do you want to play this time? Right? Yeah. Right. And you noticed too, when you yeah, played I- the game a little bit, Rick, that uh, your adventure, it, the journey itself is also quite long. It's not just getting to the journey to get to the place to get the gold. The journey itself is pretty big and there's a lot to it. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's actually quite similar to, to Fate of Atlantis. Obviously, you know, we're regarding Gold Rush in the sense, um, or as Rick was alluding to, it's a bit of a trailblazer being, uh, four years, I believe, before Fate of Atlantis. Gold Rush came out in 88, Atlantis, I believe, 92. So, um, you know, it's a bit of a trailblazer, but, but to those listening who maybe have played Atlantis, but not Gold Rush, it's very similar in the sense where you get three different paths to California, whereas with Indy, you had three different paths to Atlantis. Um, but both of those games, it's kind of like the whole second act is interchangeable, is completely different depending on three different angles. Um, but like in Indy, how you end up in Atlantis, no matter what path you took, Gold Rush, you still end up in California. So it's, it is really quite similar. Mm-hmm. To, to the mm-hmm. way Indy played out. But yeah, as, as you said at the time, it was, it felt like buy one, get two free. It was just like, oh my God, you know, when, when I'm done with this, I get to do it all over again a whole different way. It was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It was. And then there are like 150 scenes. And at the time, I just couldn't possibly imagine how there could be that many scenes in the game. And it's not till you actually play the game and you're like, oh, they're mostly a lot of the same scenes later on in the game over and over again while you're trying to gold pan. Right. Oh, that tree's in a different spot than it was before. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's also kind of weird because like, obviously Sierra games have always been pretty difficult from the very beginning. And there's a lot of like, uh, there are some moments that you definitely have to conclude uh, were the result of them saying, oh, we really want people to call the hint line for this. Mm-hmm. But this game really, to me, felt like the epitome of basing the design, like the core design uh, philosophy around the fact that you're supposed to call for hints or buy the hint book because there's uh, some stuff that you're just never going to fi- find out on your own, basically like, yeah, you know, uh, at Leisure Suit Larry two 
is very bad for that too, which came out, I think, um, the same year. Uh, so it's probably around the same year where like they're kind of doing this a lot, where it's just sort of like, wow, just they, they just don't want you to be able to finish it unless you pay extra, right? Uh, and you know, this came from the consideration that people were pirating these games like so rampantly that their major source of income was actually selling the hint books and the hint line. You know, I never considered that side of things, but of course, uh, it would have been a big money maker. What was it like five ninety nine a minute? I don't even know in Canada. $10.99 <laughs> I, I never a minute. called it, so I have no idea. I never called either. I'm like, but I knew whatever the number was, it was really, really expensive. So I, I hadn't thought of that theory, but it makes a lot of sense now that you bring it up. I mean, I don't even know how I did finish some of those games without a hint book. Well, I forget if it was Leisure Suit Larry one or two. Uh, I'm thinking it was probably one. Where the uh, they actually f- discovered that they sold more hint books than copies of the game, so <laughs> really? right, right, That's so, crazy, yeah. So I think uh, I don't know if that was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have, yeah. So so I don't have this like, um, uh, I I can't quite go back and project exactly what happened at that time because I was too young and uh, I had no idea that happened until like. Uh, in recent years, but I wonder if that was sort of like an epiphany moment where they're sort of like, hey, everyone's just going to copy our games. So if we make it really hard that they need to buy the hint books, we don't have to care so much. This game was meant to be one great big history lesson to me. I mean, it, as soon as you go somewhere, it gives you little facts and details everywhere you go. It talks about geography. It talks about uh, a lot of the struggles that were had back in the day and, and how difficult it was to get things. And you know, even though the game was really difficult, did you guys not find it so much more rewarding? Especially you, Paul, when you heard that noise that said you got a point or when you'd actually get a fact or a tidbit that meant you were moving forward? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, this I, I hadn't really heard this game considered to be any sort of edutainment in, until that, that top 100 list where they basically said, we're putting it on this list because it's it pulls off edutainment. I never saw it as edutainment. Um, maybe, maybe that worked in my favor. Maybe I was allowed to spend so many hours with it because my parents thought it was, but it, it really hides the facts really well in the sense that it's not like, it's not like a, a Dr. Brain or an Echo Quest or, or any of those games, which are also lovely, great games, but it's not like, hey, play this. It's going to make learning fun. It's more just like, this is a fun game and you, you might actually learn as well. So it's, it's a nice kind of backhanded way of just sneaking in historical facts. And I, I think what they, done really well was this this whole game i was trying to build a case for it because i know that it doesn't hold up well and i'm gonna have to counter rick at some (laughs) point so i I needed to to build up a case for it and i think what they've done really especially well was they give you a good sense of time and feeling and immersion um in other words there's, there's good you know the characters have a personality you're aware of your main character and his goals and there's just they did a really good job constructing this world to where you actually kind of care about your journey and, and you feel like you're on an adventure, um, mm-hmm. which like Anna was pointing out made made those little point chimes mean so much more. Well, here, here's the thing for me though, and and I've said it before, and I stick to this where um, I, I don't want to be overly critical on a lot of these classic games, especially we cover classic and indie games, which really I don't want to punch down on them. Um, so, you know, part of the show is just more of like the celebration of like of the experience of growing up with these games and, uh, you know, the experience of uh, of uh, playing games now that are made by the people who played these games and all that sort of thing. So I don't want to come across as too negative, but 
when you mentioned the edutainment thing, I admit that I never really looked at it from that angle. Um, and I don't know if I like it better or not knowing that because <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, they, they put in a lot of research. Granted, that, that's, that's the fact that that's not even arguable. They did a lot of research and they put it in there. Um, but it's like, if this was edutainment, this is like some pretty messed up child abuse. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you'd think they'd make this a game that's, like, okay for kids to play without, you know, but as adults, it's, like, the most infuriating thing. So what's it like <laughs> when you're a kid who doesn't know any better? And uh, so I just, like, I don't know. It's, um I, again, I don't, I'm not tr- saying that to shit on it. It's a sort of, like, wow, just know your audience. Who are you, who are you going with here? Well, I guess it's tricky, I suppose, when you don't know until the end of your journey uh, if you've done things right or not, because often the terrible things that happen because you've forgotten specific provisions will be at the end of the journey, at the end of the journey, when you are, you haven't had any fruit or, you know, you're exposed to mosquitoes too many times. So you, you definitely have to put a good, solid 30 minutes at least of gameplay in to find out your mistakes, especially the first time. Yeah, yeah, actually, you know, here's an interesting thing. Um, where, well, here's why I find interesting that you've kind of sparked as you were saying that, uh, in my head. Um, you know how, uh, there, there's certain things like the coals were brought on to make Heroes Quest, uh, as an answer to the, the Ultima games, right? Mm-hmm. Was this Sierra's answer to Oregon Trail? Like, you was know, that specifically their goal? Like, to be like, oh, let's let's make our own Oregon Trail? That's a good question. I've never considered that, but but it, it has it has such a similar feel and and some parallels to to Oregon Trail. I mean, especially that that second act that that we talked about with the the part that you get to choose how you're going to go about it. Um, it's basically you know a journey from from Brooklyn, New York to to Sacramento, California. So it's captures that same spirit of traveling east to west and in the same time frame. And basically, there's, there's too many similarities to to overlook. And I'll kind of add um, coal to that fire in the sense that Sierra, I believe just after, and I could be wrong about this, but I think just after Gold Rush onwards got really heavy into edutainment. I mean, they had their whole Discovery series uh, with, you know, Dr. Brain and Pepper's Adventures in Time and all all those uh, edutainment games. In other words, it was on Sierra's map, yeah. So what you're saying is this could be a bridge. Exactly, exactly, yeah, where where it's not directly marketed to kids. Um, I'm not even sure they realized that they were making an edutainment game unless they realized that they were trying to make a spinoff of Oregon Trail. I think you've just connected up a few little bits then. Yeah. From trying to create a new genre within the adventure game category that hits adults and potentially a younger audience. Maybe they were going for specifically 14 year olds with this game, 14 to 16 or something, you know, like teenagers. Or maybe they they had so uh, so many people in the offices saying similar things to what Rick said. You know, who is this game for? And Sierra's like, you know what? You're right. Let's double down and make our edutainment marketed just for children. Let's give it its own series, the bloody Discovery series. You know, because they they made it very clear from here on out what ed, you know that these titles were edutainment, whereas Gold Rush. But at the same time, again, Gold Rush it's it's not necessarily edutainment. I mean, it, it is there is a lot of true facts and things like that, but it definitely doesn't. You wouldn't fire it up and be like, oh, I'm learning. 
um, which is mm. a good thing, mm. I think. <laughs> I, I will say, just for like the historical context of it for myself as a uh, child back in the days, is that I remember um, playing other games. I forget exactly which ones, but like we, I, I was so in love with video games. Like even when we were like uh, take a road trip somewhere, I would just bring a computer game box to the car with me and just like flip through all the stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I'd love to do is just sort of like, uh, gaze through the product manuals and just daydream about one day I might have some of these games and which ones look cool and all that. Gold Rush was always top of that list. Like the art for the, um, not the game itself, although I'm sure at the time it was great. Uh, just like the, the box art. You guys know you have the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm staring that cover at it right now. Was just mm-hmm. so cool. Like, I just, as soon as I saw that, and, you know, having not played the game, my mind just sort of fills in the blanks and just imagines what it could be like. You know, having played. So much cooler. Yeah. Like, having (laughs) played Police Quest and Space Quest at that point, and it's thinking, like, oh, Gold Rush in the Western, there's a guy being held at gunpoint and all that on the box. And it was just so. Like, this is probably one of the top games I always wanted to play as a kid, but never did until recently. Which probably also kind of emphasizes my um, uh, my disappointment in it. Yeah, yeah, especially having that hype. For sure, I could see why you would have liked the box as a kid. I I don't know if you had the version that had the story of Rust Riches in yours, Rick. Did you? Um, I I don't know. I only ever saw the front cover. Oh, okay, yeah. Because in the actual big box that I have, it it comes with its lovely instruction booklet that comes with, you know, how Sierra did those great faux leather covers made out of oh, this yeah. lovely cardboard. I love it. Anyway, well, I mean that would not then, have been included in the product manual, but um, no, yeah. I guess not. But that one, <laughs> good point, Brian. I thought for some reason I thought you actually had the box to go with it as well. I see you just brought the product manual with. Oh me. yeah, no, it was some some other game. I forget which one. Probably like uh, what did I have back then? Um, I don't know. So, some other Sierra game. Maybe it was even Police Quest. I liked Police mm-hmm. Quest a lot. So yeah, the box came with the uh, story of Rush to Riches, which which is an actual uh, account of the California Gold Rush and uh, some of the stories from uh, back in the day and. The routes people would have taken, it's all factual. It comes with pictures and diagrams. I mean, it, it's a solid 85 pages of goodness. So if you 85. had the real big box with you on your journeys, you could have learned an awful lot without even playing yeah. the game. I, I probably want that box more for the contents than the actual game. Yeah. And the map. You guys, the map, right? Oh, the map, Any yeah. game with the map just gets that little extra oomph of respect. And the map in this game feels good. It's got a nice weight to it. The paper is nice. It's a good map. Yes. When I was a, when I was a kid, right around this this age that, that we discussed, 9 to 12-ish, I, I used to put on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and then I would mm. get that map, and, and that would work into my, my role play, and, and then... My my grandmother, somebody left behind like a a little pocket Bible that was like the same dimensions as the Holy as the Grail Diaries, mm. and I would just I would use that Gold Rush map and that little pocket Bible and pretend I was indie. It was such a such a crucial part of some awkward you know nice. nine year old phase. But yeah, I will say the, the the a few things on the on the map or on the the book. One, it's it's the copyright protection for the game. Which is such a pain in the mm-hmm. dick because it is like eight blood, eighty bloody pages, and yep. the question's always different. So it'll be like, "What's the fifth word on the twelfth paragraph on page sixty-eight?" And you got to scroll all the way through and and try and find it, and that's a pain in the ass. And then the other kind of just humorous thing is that the 
the PDF, you know, will come with a, a download from wherever you purchase it from. I don't think this one's on GOG. I think it's Steam only, uh, which Steam, is yeah. which is oh, odd, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the the PDF for the book is it's like forty bloody megabytes, and then the entire <laughs> game is like two point five or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. See, this is why people ask, why do you collect big boxes if you're not even going to play the games inside? Because I want to refer to the original documentation because PDFs are a pain in the ass. And so many of them, you can't even like search for a word because it's right. it's a, like photocopied in. And so it doesn't let you highlight or copy or look for stuff. So the original big box with original documentation is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Especially scrolling through 80 pages to get to that one paragraph. Yeah, it's such Jesus, pain. Jesus, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, did either of you play the the anniversary remake? A little, yeah. I uh, I actually managed to get myself a copy of the big box, which comes with a map. Once again, very high quality matte paper. Actually, I would even say it's a little bit thicker than the paper that was used in the uh, original <laughs> game, and and a coin as well and uh it was it was definitely another version of the gold rush game <laughs> I, I, I like anna's like almost american psycho level of paper analysis my mom was a graphics artist i just can't help but cooling and gnawing over beautiful papers <laughs> it's lovely it is i i to answer your question i the nice thing I'll say about it is that I bought it. All right, yes. I bought it. I gave them the money. I own the big box. I even bought the sequel. Um, I haven't played it um, because, as I think Rick and I've discussed in the past, it, it's it was made in 2014. The graphics look a bit 2003-ish. It's it, I don't know. It's it's just I don't see a need for it. It it doesn't like uh, an example I recently learned was that they kept in all the dead ends that Gold Rush has, which you know many of the AGI games had, uh, i.e., having to get something early in the game, and if you don't have it later on, you're screwed. Um, they kept mm-hmm. all that stuff in, so it's like which is strange because if you're going to do a remake, you you got to improve at least a little bit somewhere. Yeah, yeah. At least bring it up to today's you know don't screw me standards. Um, <clears throat> they didn't really improve on the animation. I I would say like and hey don't get me wrong I appreciate three D animation and sometimes it is done just beautifully. But what I found a bit of a problem with this was there was no flow to the animation. You know, the the people are walking, but their clothing is not responding to it. Mm. <laughs> right, oh, no. right. It just doesn't quite work. Yeah. Here, well, here's one of my things is that the, um, cause I, I did buy it. Uh, and I, in fact, you were the one who told me about it because it went on a uh, super sale. So I, um, mm-hmm. you know, spent the like 20 bucks Canadian, including <laughs> shipping. I think all of that was shipping. They're yeah. probably just like giving the box away. Um, and th- number one, I totally agree. The map is actually really good. And I, I don't have, um, a history with this sort of things other than I'm, I am a bit of a stationary geek. So I love, I just love, stationaries and like papers and pens and stuff like that so good <laughs> yeah so i there, there's no reason for it i just am so i i do agree <laughs> with your assessment that it is a pretty satisfying map to have gonna have um, to do a patreon special where you two just drool over just talk about stationary I, I could totally do that i don't think anyone would pay to hear that um, it all starts as a childhood when my mom would yell which paper did you take to use and it, it just I, I don't even have there. that sort of an excuse um <laughs> 
Can I be the one that voyeuristically just sits quietly in the background of that episode? <laughs> Your turn, Paul. <laughs> we'll turn it into a debate. What is the best paper? Um, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. What weight is your stock? <laughs> um, but you know, uh, so here I am, just looking at the box in front of me, and I'm looking at the uh, a picture on the internet of the cover of Gold Rush, the originals, I should say. Sorry. Um, and again, like I mentioned to you guys before, I, I saw the cover of the original Gold Rush in the old product manuals or uh, whatever you call, product catalog. Sorry, I should say. Um, and I'd just be like, oh my God, that looks so good. And I look at the Gold Rush anniversary box. I'm like, what is this? Are, are, like, aren't you supposed to be trying to sell me on the game with the box? Like, it doesn't look like a game I'd want to play particularly. Well, the guy's eyes, his eyes and his hand throw me off on the front too. Just yeah, a little I mean, bit. There's just something, I mean, and I appreciate the graphic styling. I just, I, I flipped over the box and did what you guys did. And you mentioned it briefly in the other episode. I looked for the date and then was quite surprised that it was 2014. Mm-hmm. And it, yes, it would, it would look right at home 10 years prior, for mm-hmm, sure. I came across a lot harsher than I meant it to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but I just mean like, oh yeah, look at the original box. And just mm-hmm. like gorgeous hand-drawn art. Uh, the guy, you know, um, uh, like panning for gold or digging for gold or, you know, looking for gold. Mm-hmm. And a guy um, is robbing him at gunpoint. Uh, the bo- Yeah, that box sells me on it, right? Mm-hmm. And this one is a sort of like, you know, uh, I don't know. There's, there's just not the cool factor. It's like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just this aged 3D model. Like, you got to be kind of really confident that you're breaking new ground to use a 3D model as your box cover. And, and I know, okay, it was but, not. Okay, let, let's even get past that. Let's get past the actual, like... Um, you know, let, let's assume that it's just like really well hand drawn thing. Is this like the the original one shows like this really cool scene and just kind of suggests to you what might be in the game? Like, what would this game be like? Right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like danger and adventure and you know, gold and all that. And this one's sort of like you know, there's a boat and a carriage in the background of a guy <laughs> flipping a coin. <laughs> Yeah, they're trying to advertise what's in their own box. He's flipping a coin because it includes a coin. It's got a map because it includes a map. It's got the graphics because that's how they made it to look and they're proud of it. That's that's (laughs) all that they're doing is they're advertising themselves. It's just not working. Good point. Yeah, they're they're advertising the contents of the box. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That, that must have been the selling points. Clearly, <laughs> I bet I bet they sold more of these boxes than they've got downloads on games, but I'd be yeah. (laughs) I would be more impressed if it also came with like a miniature paddle wheel boat and a little, uh, you know, coach. Cause, cause then if, if everything on the box except for the guy, or actually, I don't know, if they included his jacket in the box, I, I totally, and his shirt. He has a really cool shirt. Clothing uh, in a big box would be great. I'd go for that. Yeah. Here's it, seven things you should play with instead of the game inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> Hours uh, of entertainment, uh, not including the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like, as as much as horrible as the graphics are, even for its own time, let alone now, it's like uh, even just going back and playing the original. And I like AGI, and I like the old Sierra games. I like the parser, and just going back and playing it, I was just sort of like, ah, uh, you know, it's it's the same kind of um, uh, me wanting to like it in the same way that I wanted to like Legion of Larry two, and I really wanted to like Space Quest two, which I didn't dislike, but uh, um, 
it was just they were saying about where they're like, why don't I like this? Like, you, how how could they have dropped the ball that they could make me dislike um, an old school Sierra classic? Yeah, no, that's 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 actually a good question. Well, let, let me let me ask. Um, is it did it give you the okay your removal of of nostalgia from the game while you were playing it? Did it give you the understanding of why somebody who does have nostalgia for it would enjoy it, or was it just kind of void of of any appeal? I always understand how nostalgia can make anyone like anything, and that's why Dragon's Lair is popular. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> got him. Nice. Um, so I I get it. I get that <laughs> there's certain <laughs> things that just were good enough, and uh, nostalgia <laughs> fills in the blanks. And I so there's no game that I can't right off as like even nostalgia can't save this or, or maybe there's a couple but even still probably not you know you can just give you the shittiest game ever made and someone would say this is the one game that i got to play with uh from the ages of five to ten and i'll be like that's a good reason to like that one even though it's objectively bad um so i don't know i i i, I actually really want to try finding a way to play this game in amber monochrome because that's the what I would have been playing with at the time, and that might actually give me a little bit more of a nostalgia swell uh, because right. there's nothing else for me to base it on. So maybe if well, it sort of graphically matches the games that I was playing at the time in terms of like the monochrome at least, then it might give me something. But uh, I don't know. Like like I said, it's it's one of those things where I just I play it and just sort of. Um, it wants to sell me hint books because it's sort of like, yeah, we're, we're going to make sure you cannot do this unless you know exactly what to do. Well, is that the way that you want to play it? I mean, do you want to be able to go through the game and figure it out and finish it in all the different ways just to be able to see everything that happened? Or do you want to follow a hint book and go step by step and just do what you need to do to get through the game just so that you can see everything that's happened? How do you want to play this game? I don't. <laughs> but um, if you absolutely had to <laughs> I, I would based on playing through the first act on uh and, and maybe maybe i'll consider possibly playing further uh on twitch at some undetermined point in the future maybe um i i don't know like i I don't think I have the stamina to try playing it hardcore. I think mm-hmm. I would need all the advice, possibly walkthroughs, like just get me through the game just so I can experience it. But I just mm-hmm. don't have the patience for that sort of thing right now. And honestly, there, there's like this whole generation, even within AGI, even though I grew up with a lot of AGI, there's still like the tail end of AGI that I didn't grow up, that I skipped over. Uh, inadvertently Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i would have liked a lot of these games back then Mm -hmm. being particularly gold rush these larry 2 and um along those lines where it's just sort of like where they're clearly just trying to sell me a hint book and they like it was already bad enough when it was just like you know space quest one and police quest one where it's just really hard but Mm -hmm. when it's just like they're really just at this point trolling the players I think personally that Leisure Suit Larry 2 is extra hard because it was the first game that Al Lowe had to put together completely on his own. And he wanted to pay respect to the first one, but also give it his own spin. 
And he was kind of learning and figuring it out because soft porn was already written, even though he did add in some writing and, and put in the graphics. It was really, really true to the original storyline. And two yeah, was But let totally me put neat. it this way, though. Let me put it this way. In Leisure Suit Larry 2, there is a puzzle where you need to get an item for later in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time you get to that part in the game where you need it, you cannot go back to the start of the game. Yes. To find this item, you have to search a garbage can. And when you search it, it says there's nothing in the garbage can or like there's yep. nothing. You don't find anything in the garbage can. Mm-hmm. So then you wander around maybe looking for stuff to do. And maybe you forgot that you already checked the garbage can. So you check it again. And it says you do not find anything in the garbage can. The exact same message you got before to train you into thinking that this is the only message you're ever going to get if you search a garbage can. Mm-hmm. Then the third time you do it, it's like, mm. oh, well, now that you look at it, you find the thing that you're looking for. <laughs> so, well, I, that's a, lot of a games very did deliberate, that. that's a very <laughs> deliberate design choice. What about Infocom? In Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, at the beginning of the game, you have to buy a cheese sandwich uh, from a bar. It doesn't even give you the option that you can buy a a cheese sandwich, but you buy a sandwich from the bar, you walk out, a yipping dog runs by, and if you give it the cheese sandwich, you can finish the game because he does not eat a tiny microscopic space fleet, which you don't find out till the end. And if you don't give him the sandwich, he does eat it, and you can't finish. So... Oh, that's a, that's a pretty good counterpoint coming from a game that I I don't believe uh, was in the hint market hint book market at the at the time. I, I did I have heard um, campfire stories of how uh, painfully difficult Hitchhiker's Guide, uh, the Infocom game was, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, all I, all I can say is I mean it's you also got to think about it in context of like you know Hitchhiker's Guide. Of course they're going to troll players. I'm not forgiving them for that, but <laughs> I kind of almost expect it. Um, but coming from Sierra, that was really notorious for doing that as a business practice. It kind of um, it kind of drowns out the whole like whimsical nature of it from *Sunny Leisure's Larry* too. And it seems so cynical, you know. And I mean, he got by the time he did *Leisure Suit Larry* three, it wasn't quite as difficult because no. I think he got into the pattern and he figured out what he was doing. And if it was a hint book marketing thing, wouldn't it get harder? Well, not by that point, apparently, because apparently, like. Uh, you know, by the time we got to the SCI era, for some reason, they just started to get better. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, they, <laughs> they weren't quite as bad, but they just they sort of like the second half of the AGI era and arguably even the first, it was, they were just like punishingly difficult, like punishing you for playing the game difficult. See, it's funny. Most of those older games, I didn't use hint books, but then I got to a game like Freddy Farkas and I needed the hint book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I didn't need hint books, but back in those days, um, our version of searching the internet for a walkthrough was talking to the kids in the community who played the game. Right, because right, you actually had friends that played video games. All I had was my parents who knew actual things about life things. So I'd be <laughs> like, I have this question for you, and they'd be able to answer it. Like, for example, uh, a question about what president was what when I'm trying to play a Leisure Suit Larry game, and I'm just trying to get into the damn game in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there was no handbooks. There was nothing. There was me taking notes and my dad coming up and trying to help me out and figure things out. I didn't have friends that were going to tell me anything about it. So it wasn't until the internet 
internet or until I'd get a boxed game with a hint book, which didn't come till much later that I was able to get anything sorted out any other way. It's it's funny. My solution was different than both of yours. We we all found our own ways to working this out. Mine mine was <laughs> that, that I was just lucky enough that that my my dad was super into these games as well. So, and he he couldn't stand buying it and not finishing it. So he bloody well would spend the money on on a hint book or whatever it took. <laughs> just out of sheer determination. Dads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, like. I do generally, especially with modern adventure games, I do like trying to uh, get through it myself and uh, trying a walkthrough if I really get stuck. But uh, mm-hmm. back then, it's just—it's not even fair. It's not the same thing. It's mm-hmm. you know, you can't. Yeah, I mean, a walkthrough would take six to eight weeks to be mailed to you alone. I mean, that's <laughs> you know, it's really not well, fair. Well, there's that too. But I mean, just even today, going back and playing it, it's just—it's not the same thing. It's like there's—they didn't even give you a chance. To figure it out on your own. Right, you brought right. me back for a second there, Paul. I remember people would write into Sierra, right? I mean, I don't remember personally, but I hear the stories about it now. People would write into Sierra to ask their question about the game. Like, for example, how do I get out of the whale in King's Quest Four? And they'd send them back this lovely little neat answer and a little personal note. And how long would that take to get the answer back? Like a month? Right. Yes. Yeah. Supposed to like wait. You're like, thanks. I figured it out now. But whatever. I got the letter. Yeah. Th- thanks. I'm on King's <laughs> Quest Five already, but I appreciate it. You know what? I I totally would love to make a game. Like I'm almost inspired to become a game developer just so that I can make a game where the only way you can get hints is to write me a letter. Dear Rick. <laughs> yeah. But after the dear Rick columns. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I'll write back. And then like with the letter it says, here's what you do. It would have to be some Mission Impossible kind of letter that explodes after 30 seconds of reading it. So some dick didn't put it on the internet though. <laughs> that would be the site ricksletters.com. <laughs> yeah. And give everybody different answers, too. I mean, everything about this just sounds awesome. <laughs> I'll just answer really cryptically. Just bloody gaslight the shit out of all of them. Or, I'll, I'll answer all questions with a question. <laughs> Complex series of riddles, each yeah. more difficult than the last. It's like, you're, how, how, do you, how do you do this? And, you know, you wait for the letter to get to me. I write back. It's like, what have you done so far? <laughs> These letters, people will be like, I've been writing with this Rick guy for like three years. I haven't even gotten into the fucking game. I'm just trying to get through the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Or just send them like AGI kind of responses. Like, sorry, I don't understand the word dude. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'll tell you something. Because a roundabout way of going back to what you uh, asked me originally, Paul, is like, uh, how do I want to play? Or Sorry, was it you or... Anna, it was me. Said it. it was Anna. Sorry, yeah. you you both sound alike. <clears throat> um, it's true. <laughs> so you're, you're asking <laughs> like how how would I uh, um, how would I want to play through it now? And mm-hmm. it would be with copious amounts of help. And uh, because you know what, um, I forget which game it was, but the other day, uh, or not the other day, uh, many episodes <laughs> ago, I was prepping up for an, for uh, one of these episodes where we're talking about a game. And um, I want to refresh myself by uh, watching a walkthrough of somebody else playing it um, on YouTube. And there's just something about 
playing through, even if I'm following a walkthrough, even if that's going to take me a lot longer, there's something about it that's just I'm infinitely better than watching a walkthrough of it because um, it's just nothing... Pu- I can't say put to sleep because I have insomnia, but nothing so much more boring than just seeing somebody like uh, play through it without me doing anything at all, right? Mm-hmm. At least if I feel like I'm doing something, even if it is just following instructions, it's something. So, oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. I don't have the patience to follow one of those, even if I do appreciate it when they have no talking and it's just the game. Thank yeah. you for those people that put those out there, but you are the I would true rather. Heroes. totally but i would much rather just read through it uh on a paper or in i'll pull out my korish's uh hint book guide from i think it was published in like 1995 or 1996 so it's it's got a pretty good spread of games in there i'd rather follow that dense thick they don't uh, separate anything into paragraphs in this guide so i would literally just you know put a highlighter uh paper you know one of those sticky notes underneath the line i was at because you get so lost it's like pages and pages some of these games walls of text but I prefer that to any walkthrough video. So um, we all very firmly established that I've played very little of this game, uh, but feel <laughs> that I have every uh, realm of uh, of right to judge. <laughs> so have each of yeah. you played all three paths to completion? I have. Uh, now I've played all three paths to completion, but I, I didn't actually get through all three paths on my own without following some hints. Uh, I mean, it, it's you sort of you run out of time and money. <laughs> the longer you take and the worse you do is you kind of end up getting stuck, not being able to get there in an easy manner. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think. To, uh, I, and well, sorry to answer the question. Absolutely. I played this game to bloody death back in the day. I, I, I've probably played this game more than more than any other game um so i've definitely played through them all and i, I as anna alluded i, I played the, the carriage path the most just because i i would mm-hmm. constantly miss that bloody the bloody boat um this you know yeah. i wanted to point out too this game it's it's odd it, the first the first act if you will the brooklyn part of the game doesn't have uh it doesn't have a lot of ways to die uh rick rick you had pointed out to me when we, we were conversing a while ago you, you mentioned how it felt odd to be able to walk into the street in a sierra game without getting killed yes this <laughs> and i was the only trying C- too yeah, maybe the only <laughs> agi sierra game you can freely walk into the street and survive it um but the the second and third act of the game is is quite relentless there's, there's a lot of ways to die some of which are pretty pretty humorous like um well, uh, in the first act in Brooklyn, one of my favorite Sierra deaths ever, because it's relatable to me, is you can get kicked to death by a horse. Um, not that I've been yep. kicked to death by a horse, but I have been <laughs> That's kicked. relatable. Doing this thing you get kicked to death by a horse. I come to you now as an apparition. Um, I, I've been kicked kicked in the heart by a horse, which was close to death, but, but I, it's just... It's so realistic and also so unfair slash Sierra that it, it it strikes a perfect harmony to me where it's like, yeah, that could happen. And of course, Sierra would punish you for it. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's other ones like um, like the people who made Indiana Jones and the fourth movie um, <laughs> <laughs> must have played Gold Rush, I guess. Where am I going with this? Because in Gold Rush, you can die from giant jungle ants, which is mm-hmm. a thing, I guess. Now, there's there's two things that I've seen where that happens. So I guess... I guess that's a thing. Maybe I'll Google it one day. Well, you know what disappointed me was, uh, you know, you get a, well, you don't get a horse, you get a mule. And I'm like, this is great. And then it like walks slowly behind you. I'm like, this is absolutely no help at all. I mean, okay, now I'm following you. Great. I mean, most difficult animal. 
Yeah, you, you never get to ride it. If you yeah. get too close to it, it runs away. If you get too yep. far from it, it runs away. If you do nothing yep. at all, it runs away. And like, mm-hmm. I don't even remember what I used the horse, the mule for. Like, I, I know at some <laughs> point I, I, you tie it up to, to a post and go into the mm-hmm. hotel and that's like the last you ever see of it. I don't really know if it does anything besides be, you know, a burden, but. Exactly. But and if there. you forget to brand it, you totally lose it. And you're like, well, because you lose it in the stable with all the other horses. You're just like, fuck. And then you do brand it. And it's like, oh, man, you're burning the horse. It smells. You could. It actually describes the searing flesh <laughs> yeah. burning. If I recall correctly, I was just like, whoa, that's kind of harsh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, we're just coming up on time here, guys. So uh, uh, now that I've totally and I really... Um, Reluctantly, it, it hurts me to have uh, dumped on a classic Sierra game like this. Uh, I, I do think it's got some charm to it. A lot of work and research was put into it. I'll definitely give it that. Uh, it was just a, a product of its time, and I just didn't play it in its context. But um, since we are just got to close out the show, uh, how about some final defenses or f- thoughts or memories or experiences from you guys? Well, you know, the end of this game was uh, very satisfying. I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody what the actual end of the game was, but as far as games go, it was a very satisfying ending. I was quite content at the end of that game. Yes, absolutely agreed. Um, I got. I guess Rick, you had mentioned final words slash defenses. I'll just say that I'm glad that you had mentioned that um, hint books were, were a supplement way of making money back because I had previously really just looked at at the notion of getting people to buy hint books as as kind of malicious, whereas when you put it that way, if they were just trying to recuperate money from the, the million or hundreds and thousands of pirated copies, it actually makes me feel a lot better about it and, and uh, lends me to almost excuse them for it. So I'm happy to hear about that. Um, I, I do want to say, I guess, for my, my final thoughts is that um, I feel a little bad about shitting on the remake because I I, I spoke to uh, one of the one of the two main guys um behind that project. I, I can't think of their name. It's maybe Sunlight Games. Um, I, yeah. He went back and forth with me on like a dozen emails and was such a bloody gentleman, a really nice guy. And that was like haunting me in the back of my head every time I slightly shit on the remake earlier. Um, so I will say this. If, if you haven't played Gold Rush, don't play the remake. Hold on. Um, play the, <laughs> <laughs> bear with me here. Play the original. It's, it's gorgeous AGI. I think it was the second to last AGI game, uh, Quest for Glory being the final. But they did no, no, also that's, make... Sorry, that's incorrect. Um, Is it? No, the, the only two AGI games that came after Gold Rush were um, the AGI version of King's Quest IV. Okay. Because that was released both ways. And then right, uh, Leisure right. Suit Larry 2. Uh, Her- uh, Heroes okay. Quest was full on SCI. All right, I get that all mucked up. Thank you, mate. Um, so I was going to say, in, instead of playing the, the remake, because you heard our thoughts on that, but because these people are really nice, and, and honestly, just the fact that there's developers and people out there that love Gold Rush, potentially, I guess, well, definitely more than I do, to put all this work into making a remake, they also made a sequel, um, Gold Rush 2. It is in the same style as their remake. Perhaps the graphics are a little better because it was a year or so later, um, but I'm going to check that out personally. If you if you have already played Gold Rush, maybe you should check that out too. I think it's on Steam or whatever, or on their website. So, yeah, there's that. That's that's me trying to feel better about myself for shitting on some nice people. <laughs> well, there you go. So, um, how about you, the listeners? What do you think of Gold Rush? Do you like it? Do you not like it? When did you play it? What are your thoughts? 
let us know. Come out to the Classic Gamers Guild on Facebook. You can write to us on our page or come join our community in our Facebook group. Uh, you can also let me know and scold me on Twitter at the CG Guild. Uh, we have an email if you still write emails. The address is mail at classicgamersguild.com. If you'd like to support the show, although I'm pretty sure you don't want to after listening to this episode, but uh, if you do want to uh, be a Patreon supporter, we you can find us there. Just look up Classic Gamers Guild, of course. Um, speaking of which, thank you all very much to our Patreon supporters for keeping the show going, particularly to those in the uh, extra special thanks tier, namely Jay Holmes and Jeffrey Couch. Thank you all very much. We really appreciate your support. And of course, to all of you, the listeners, you know, we wouldn't do this all without you. Uh, so we really appreciate you. Please uh, hit us up, write to us. Uh, write everything, even hate mail. We don't mind. I, we read everything because no one writes us anything. So it's really easy to read everything. <laughs> uh, I volunteered to do it this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess I do have to start using the whole. I, I remember a time where I think I actually swore I would never do this. So I am kind of a bloody hypocrite and a sellout. But uh, <laughs> please subscribe to our show. Please rate our show. Please follow us and, uh, you know, smash like buttons and stuff like that. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I feel so bad having to say that, but please do it. Do and, it. Smash that like button. Oh. Smash it so hard your children can't watch. Sorry, can I, can I <laughs> actually ask this? Like, why is, what is it with smash that like button that everyone says that? Like, why is that the catchphrase of the internet? Does, does everyone just like hear it from somebody else and be like, I want it. I, that, I can't put that any better. I'm going to say that myself now too. Like it makes you want to hit a button, doesn't it? I mean, I'm I feel like I need to smash something right now. Word smash, smash, good, <laughs> smash, hit. I'm, I always just think like, well, I, I I don't have a human to smash, so I guess this mm. button will do. Like smash. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways. All right, that's 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 our bloody show, Rick. You, you did a good job. I, you left out a few like, don't forget to follow us on Prodigy and CompuServe and other. <laughs> <laughs> I other think there's a BBS that... out there that likes us a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy! I've just right. completely dropped Instagram from our tags because I I haven't even been on there in the longest time. Are people still no, going on Instagram? I, I don't know. I, I left you in charge last time. Oh, Should I take over happened? Instagram? Should I be taking Probably. it over? Because I already run my business on Instagram for me to throw another one in there. Am I saying this on there? Is this legit? I guess I yeah. have to now. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram right. will now be functioning. <laughs> well then, come find us on Instagram at... Uh, sorry, at CGG Podcast. I forgot our Instagram. <laughs> Gee, wow. Because it's been so long. So, yeah, follow Anna on Instagram. That sounds much more appealing. Um, at CGG Podcast. Don't do a murder. Is the other thing that we say. Hey. <sighs>